Trying to save your souls from damnation So if you down with the message Tune in every week It will lead you to the message that you seek Uh Season 8, episode 18. Shout out to everybody that's been watching. Shout out to everybody that's helped us to get this far so far. Shout out to everybody that has been supporting us. Shout out to everybody that has donated to all the things that we've done this this year. Shout out to everybody that watched our last episode. We was live from Times Square in Manhattan. You know, that's why I had my feet up just now. I was just <laughs> Yeah, man. We leveled up on y'all. We had to move bougie. You know, I got new friends now. <laughs> all right, yep. We moving up. So, shout out to everybody who's been watching. Shout out to everybody that follows us on Facebook. That's www.facebook.com backslash the real word TV. That's the real word seven, like Mike Vick on Facebook or the real word ministries Inc. on Facebook to find us. You can also catch us on Instagram at the real word ministries Inc. on Facebook, on Instagram. That's at the real word ministries Inc. on Instagram. Also on YouTube, the real word TV on YouTube as one word, the real word TV on YouTube as one word. And also catch us on on podcasts, everywhere you can find podcasts, that's Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and SoundCloud. We're also on the Brick Network every Tuesday and Thursday oh, at 12, at 1, and at 4 p.m. So shout out to y'all. I'm here with my partner. Introduce yourself. Hey, man. It's your man, BK Truth, out here representing Brooklyn the truest way I know how. I was going to say, y'all got to get on YouTube, man. Y'all got to be able to see all these links on YouTube. He's all over, man. I, I, I mean, I'm all over in there, too, but, you know. We all <laughs> over together. But this is why we, this is why we linked, man, since this is bloodline right here. It's some way, shape, or form. Facts, facts, facts. <laughs> and speaking of linking up all over, we have our friend all the way from Canada on the episode today, episode 18. Introduce yourself. I'm Matthew Dixon of MyAnday.ca. I'm in Eastern Canada, and I help people with mental illness in developing countries get access to basic mental health care. Mm. And I've got I've got schizophrenia myself, so I've been through mental illness. Uh, I'm doing well now, and I'm trying to help other people with schizophrenia too. Mm. What, what is schizophrenia for the young people? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, so uh, I got diagnosed at 22. Uh, schizophrenia, it can often hit guys in their late teens or early 20s, which is true for me. And women, it can hit later, sort of late 20s, but it's not set in stone. You can get uh, a girl who gets it at like 12 or something. So mm-hmm. it hit me. Uh, 1% of the population is schizophrenia. And, uh, well, most people think of like uh, hallucinations with schizophrenia. There are, well, 75% of people do hallucinate with the disease, but I was in the 25% that didn't, so I was lucky for that. 
and I uh, had no problems with substance abuse. That really helped me. I was really thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I got on the medication with schizophrenia because it's often quite severe. They do recommend medication. And I got on the drug back uh, in 1994 when I first got diagnosed. I'm 50 now, so that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it helped me. I, I noticed an improvement in my health every single week for 20 plus years. And I, I, I'm still on the same drug. I'm doing well now. February 11th of 2021, my symptoms stopped. Mm-hmm. They just stopped one day. And it's the last year and a half. I've been in a state of sort of shock or processing. It's sort of like uh, analyzing a, a sports game after afterwards, watching the footage, trying to think, wow, like, what happened? Did I just go through that for 20 plus years? I've got time to think and pause and reflect look back on my life and I've got times of peace and contentment. I'm in the normal range of, of emotions again. Uh, people say, well, are you cured? And I'm not cured. I still take the, I still take the medication. I do not want to go off it. And you saying you hallucinate? Like what are some well, of the symptoms? What are the symptoms? I'm sorry. If they yeah, don't mind so, the accent. Yeah. So I never hallucinated. I was very thankful for that. I had disorganized thinking. Um, it was hard to think about things uh, that weren't there. Like it was hard to people say intangible thought goes with the disease. It was hard to think about concepts or generalizations. And it felt like my thoughts were going a million miles a minute. It felt like I was watching TV. Like my daily life was like watching TV, where you can't jump through the screen and interact with the people there. I felt very disconnected. Uh, motivation levels were really low. It was so hard to do everything. I, uh, they say with the disease, uh, it's difficult, it's difficult to self-direct, let alone other direct. I, it was really hard to plan my day. Structure was very important for me. Um, it, uh, a lady saw me at my horse in 1994, and she said that I looked like I was walking through a world of flying glass. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I felt. Uh, some people with schizophrenia, they may actually believe that the CIA is spying on them through their phone and stuff like that, sort of paranoid stuff. I was never like that. I will say that if I saw a TV, it did feel like it was talking to me or that there was someone actually in the room. Or if I saw a movie, I remember seeing a James Bond movie in the 90s, and it felt like it was actually like happening in the theater. But I knew the person wasn't speaking to me through the TV. I knew... James Bond was actually in the theater and your cars were crashing through the walls. Uh, it just felt like it. It just really was very real. It's kind of like a nightmare in your daily life like that. If you wake up in the middle of the night from a nightmare and that, that creepy feeling is still with you, for me, I, I try not to fall back asleep right away because I'm scared of going back into the nightmare. It's sort of like that creepy feeling is with you all day long, even like on a nice sunshiny day. Mm-hmm. So, what made you come on this platform to speak about that in general? Like, what attracted you to us to speak on that subject? So, you're doing a lot of great work with uh, uh, people who need help, uh, impoverished and homelessness and whatnot. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, I mean, I I was never homeless myself. I was very thankful for that. But a lot lot of people who have mental illness are homeless, and it's, it's a huge topic. Um, just to skip ahead for a sec, one of the groups that I pr- uh, help uh, tell people about is Strongminds, strongminds.org. Mm-hmm. They help with is it really crash. 
So I, I was wondering, are you religious? So. No, I'm not a Christian. I have taken Christian courses and, and learned about Christianity. I'm, I'm not a Christian myself, but I'm, uh, yeah. That's okay. You can finish what the word you were saying earlier. Okay. Okay. So uh, Strong Minds, they help women with depression in Africa, and they've recently started Strong Minds America, and they're working in New Jersey. And they use these models of basic mental health care in poor areas in New Jersey, and they want to expand to other parts of America. There's a guy from Harvard, his name is Shekhar Saxena. Hmm. He's, he's the UN, and he said that every country, when it comes to mental health care, is a developing country. And it's uh, so there's parts of America that are classified as a developing country's mental health care system. Strong Minds America is helping to change that. And I'm trying to help promote their work. It's uh, these models of basic mental health care are low cost, proven effective, and scalable. And the World Health Organization is trying to figure out the best way to roll them out to the masses. But like Shakar Saxena says, the, uh, the all these developed countries they all have elements of a developing country's mental health care system. And these models could uh, they could help uh, basic needs, basic needs US, another group that I promote on my website. They uh, did a pilot project with these models of basic mental health care in a rural indigenous area in New Mexico and also in urban Detroit one, and they got good results. You want to could... hear something crazy, and I'll bring it all full circle. Um, I actually work at a mental health facility, a mental health shelter, um, and we do see a lot of patients with... Um, schizophrenia, um, paranoid schizophrenia, bipolar schizophrenia, um, strong minds, nice. So, I actually have a master's in social work from Fordham University with a clinical concentration and I do provide psychotherapy to individuals um, through corrective thinking um, by applying CBT cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't use drugs, I use psychotherapy, you know, talk therapy. Um, and you say this is more spiritual. Okay, I'll say this based on what schizophrenic. I personally alone probably know probably over I'll say four or five hundred people with mental illness just off the bat. That's I've worked lot. in yeah, I've worked in three mental health shelters total, and each had a population of at least two hundred people. So, not saying I knew everyone in there, but I That's probably came across a good amount. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can say, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I have some kind of experience. <laughs> so, I can say, when working with the men, the men are more aggressive. And the trauma that causes it, because a lot of time it's linked to a trauma... And we say it's between the age of 12 to 24 because that's when a boy is developing and he, he knows about the world around own. him. He's going out on his own. And he's experiencing trauma and he doesn't know what's reality and what's a dissolution. And then it, it makes, yeah. it fucks with him. <laughs> we want to put it in the wrong very, very simple. And, wrong story. And you ever heard of stop daydreaming all day, wake up. Yeah. But some people is like, one thing I know about the mental health shelter, they'll stay in the facility all day long and in their mind, it's almost like they're in prison, but in their mind, everything is here. We have food, we have shelter, we could get high, so if you get hungry, we could just go downstairs to the cafeteria, 
if if we want to get high, we just go outside, and if you need to sleep, go just go Lord back upstairs, and that's basically it. And it's like the government gives them SSI, SSD, depending on their disability, because you can actually petition to Social Security Disability and get disability. So, you, and if you approve, you don't have to work. You you get a check every month, or depending on if you had long term the disability from when you was a child, and then now. Your parents gets it because they're your guardian up until you reach a certain age. Yeah, so all of that is connected. So you know, to hear you say it, and it goes back to what I was saying to to make my point. The men they experience some kind of trauma from the age of twelve to twenty-four. Majority of time, the ones I deal with, because I deal with people living under the two hundred percent poverty level, because there's two sides to it. Is the people. That are that receive social services, which is the poor, the living under the twenty percent, the welfare, the people that the programs take care of, mm-hmm. and then there's the rich, the ones that have the private insurance that could afford going to a private therapist for mm-hmm. an hour a week mm-hmm. yeah. and paying a hundred to a hundred and forty, two hundred dollars an hour. Because that's how much it costs, to be honest with you. But when you do the psychosocials and you psychiatrically evaluate these people and they tell you about their lives and what happened. You find the trauma that sparked, that created the chemical imbalance in the brain. Either they had a tumor in the brain that caused them to think a certain way, but just because one part of the brain is 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 not functioning in a certain capacity doesn't mean the other part is not. And the perfect example that I that of the movie that I watched while I was in grad school was The Perfect Mind with Russell Crowe and he has schizophrenia, but he had like the the illusions and he and he's seen illusions. And for his entire time, while he was um, when he was a chair professor, I think at Princeton at Ivy League school, um, and he was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And the whole entire time, he suffered from schizophrenia and didn't know until, cause he he thought he saw a friend that had a a niece. And years went by. His wife left him. Other things happened. Mad other stuff happened. And the girl stayed the same age. And one day he was like, "You're not real. You you've been the, the same age the entire time. I lived my whole entire life." Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "Wow, I am messed up." Cause he thought it was an FBI agent that I was telling him come and get letters out the mail all the time and this and that. It was all an illusion. But he was still able to function within this reality and this matrix. So he was just well, walking he was around. Still imagining. Yeah, himself. and. Majority of the people I know that I work with to balance out that chemical imbalance, they abuse other chemicals, as in drugs. Mm. So it's either you get on illegal drugs or illegal drugs to find some kind of balance. I don't know. What do you think? I was going to ask you, do you drink? Me? No. No, I've I've never uh, drank or uh, taken any drugs, uh, smoked or anything, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. But you're more so on prescription drugs, you're saying? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm on uh, medication, uh, one drug that I take uh, once a night, and I've been on that since 94. So, so that's a very advice. long time. Oh yeah, yeah, I know, a long time now. I'm 50 now, so it's like, what, 20, 26 years? So in, a sense, 28 years, 20, years. so in a sense, if you to break that down to the smallest grain, you have a chemical dependency too on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like your body yeah. depends on it. You have a, well, not to get too personal, you don't have to answer, but you have a family and like um, children? No, no, I'm not married, no kids. Um, my family, my parents, brother and sister, uh, they've all been very good to me and support me. And 
friends have been good. I, I was pretty, I was pretty lucky. I never got bullied uh, throughout my recovery. It was, uh, Wonderful. It was quite, That's peaceful. Quite thankful, yes. quite thankful for that. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you grew up in Canada or in the United States? I'm in Canada, on the East Coast of Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I stayed my whole life. So they're more nicer. Yeah. They don't get... <laughs> <We're in America. laughs> Sounds nice. <laughs> Do you know Americans yeah. make fun of Canadians and their and their urban the, culture? One of the favorite shows, How I Met Your Mother, makes fun of Canada also. <laughs> Do you know that? Like American TV makes fun of Canada and Canadians? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does the Canadians feel about that? Do you guys make fun of Americans? Do you make fun of? Oh, yeah. oh, we. I think we both uh, make fun of each other. Because we make fun of each other. I wasn't partaking in these. Well, <laughs> I will say this: uh, someone I know, they're a, a, they did a tour, uh, a bus tour in the into the states, and they said, "Wow, the Americans are so friendly, like friendlier than Canadians. We uh, <laughs> we kind of stick to ourselves sometimes. But the Americans were just like, oh, hey, how are you? Come on over.' And it was uh, they're very very impressed with that. Like, thanks. It was uh, oh, very well. We got a good so, reputation yeah. out there. <laughs> well, some some parts of America. <laughs> Other parts are not so welcoming. I tell you that. We yeah, in, in Brooklyn we, well you know that's where we from. So they don't got that same vibes. <laughs> Some places it depends. I mean, energy. It changed. Yeah, yeah it's it, changed yeah, it over depends. definitely. It depends. Definitely. It depends. Places I didn't feel you know so welcome. I feel welcome now. So <laughs> you're saying people openly speak about mental health in Canada, like they're more comfortable with talking about it. Well, uh, it, it's, it didn't used to be that way, but it has been changing. And uh, we've got a telephone company here. I don't know if you have it here uh, in the States. It's called Bell, uh, like Alexander Graham Bell, who created the telephone. Yeah. He, uh, the, the Bell company, they started in 2010. It was called Bell Let's Talk. And it was a campaign one day a year to talk about mental health. And funds, and it was, it was the first time that it was a national sort of thing of getting people to talk about mental health, and that started it here in, in Canada to really talk more about mental health, and it grew more and more year by year. Other people started talking more and more about mental health, and when the COVID hit, we started talking like many countries about mental health a lot. Mm. Uh, there are some mental illnesses that aren't talked about as much as they should, even though COVID has happened. Uh, schizophrenia is one of them. I do feel more comfortable talking about schizophrenia in public. You, you can say a lot online about schizophrenia, but in public, it's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, mm. I, st- I still, uh, I'm cautious of who's around when I say the word schizophrenia. I, I shouldn't be, but it's just the way things are still. It's, uh, but I want that to change, and I'm hoping things will. Things just keep changing and improving in, in terms of our attitudes and respect towards other people. So there's, there's hope for the future for sure. Mm. So take us through your life, right? Because you said you've been dealing with this for a very long time. How did you live your life while dealing with this mental illness at the same time? Yeah, so for people first diagnosed going through it, I know for me it was very difficult to do anything. It was, it was really tough. But 
for me and I think for a lot of other people, uh, if you get treatment, uh, that can help bring the pain down. It may not cure you overnight, but when the pain lessens more, you're able to do more stuff. And yeah, you may still not feel the best, but you can get up. I mean, at the job after three, four years of recovery, I was able to get a job and I held down that job for 20 plus years. And I, I bought a number of cars over the years. I owned a home for quite a while and I did stuff. And yeah, I, wasn't what job was I did it anyway. And uh, I, I got an engineering degree before I got too sick uh, with the disease. That's what I was taking in university. Mm-hmm. But I was only half-hearted about it. I wasn't, I got into it, but halfway through I didn't, wasn't, uh, I, I just finished it for something. It didn't stop your education. It stopped more of your like, life plan and you're saying. Yeah. More yeah. of a social thing, you'd say? Yeah, it was difficult to socialize, for sure. I had to read a lot of books on how to, on how to get better. So, yeah. Um, the job I got was data entry and filing. Mm-hmm. It's not really my kind of thing, but it was one of the few jobs I thought I might actually be able to do. So, I did that for, for a long time with my disease. And, uh, if the Zoom cuts I, off, it's going to cut off in about 9 minutes and 40 seconds. I'm just going to reopen the page right after, right? Don't worry yeah. about okay. it. And rejoin, because okay. it's only 40-minute intervals. Yeah. Okay. So we're going on for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Yeah so, yeah, so I did data entry and filing for a while. I will say that uh, in the middle of university, I bicycled across Canada, and I wanted to do a lot more fun and stuff like that, but my disease took me on a whole different path. So it's uh, travel and the outdoors and adventure are something I really enjoy. I, I've missed a lot through my recovery, but... I see you I put on... Which I wanted to ask about the travel. Did you go to Africa? Um, but how many? No, no, I've never... Um, with my disease, it was difficult to travel uh, in my recovery, so I've stayed mostly on the East Coast here uh, throughout my recovery. I have been out to Vancouver and other places in Canada when I was sick with my disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to go to uh, some other countries, uh, even like to go into the States or, mm-hmm. or Europe, those were too much for me. And uh, today I might be able to handle it. What would happen? Um, what would, why was it too much? I was, I'm, yeah, what would happen to you? Well, it's like, for me, with the disease, everything just becomes complicated. It's like, if something happens to me, um, just everyday, just simple everyday things were so difficult, like uh, uh, things most people just take for granted and, and can do without even thinking. I had to put a lot of thought into it. And say if something goes wrong, it's just the fear of the unknown. Like if something goes wrong, if I'm in Europe or something or Africa, what would happen? Who would I go for to for help? And... It's uh, panic. It really scared me. Panic. Yeah. I mean, it scared me even to just go for an hour drive in my own province here. It was, uh, but I did it anyway. But it, it was, uh, I had to put thought into that. I didn't just uh, uh, just run things off like it was nothing. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was a really big deal to fly out to Vancouver. Oh, when I was, <laughs> so I would say, like, committing and getting married would be out of the question. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm happy you're doing better. <laughs> you ever you ever had a girl try to pressure you into a relationship? No. No, I haven't. Oh man. They so do that a it's, lot. There's no ratchet chicks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
we have something we, you know where the, the behavior is very you know aggressive <laughs> yeah the women out here is aggressive yeah i think they can definitely use a pill <laughs> do you like women sorry we oh, yeah. okay yeah we get personal yeah, yeah. We get personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know nowadays you have to ask for sure <laughs> so what do you do about well, that situation in canada because you know uh, do you have about what situation? The situation with the women, like, you know? How's that situation with the women in Canada? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really uh, an expert on that. It's, uh, oh, yeah. I'm about to ask you a yeah. biblical question. Are you a virgin? Uh, I... I won't get into that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's Why you asked that question for, man? What's wrong with you? Are you a virgin? Like, I got a child. No, I'm not a virgin. <laughs> but I, I do things in a virgin way, you know? <laughs> what, culottes? <laughs> H2O. Look at Water? That. <laughs> you know, that's the balance. I, I will say there's uh, there's a lady with schizophrenia. She's in Alberta, Canada, and she's got a YouTube channel called Living Well with Schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And she goes into a lot of that stuff, like uh, dating for schizophrenia mm -hmm. or relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, she just recently had a baby with her partner, mm -hmm. and she's uh, she's in her 30s. And I'm really impressed with her YouTube channel. And I try to tell people about it. She gives she's got a ton of content uh, all about schizophrenia and all different uh, many different aspects of it. Uh, and I, yeah, she's been. Give her a uh, you know the YouTube. Stuff, so you could yeah. give, you could give her a shout out. Yeah. yeah, you know the YouTube. You could give her a shout out. What's the YouTube? So the people could check it out. Yeah, it, it's called Living Well with Schizophrenia. Us uh, with civil engineer. Uh, yeah, they're like, they're like, uh, they build bridges, roads, uh, highways, uh, sort of infrastructure of cities. They're architects yeah. in a sense. They're kind of like the yeah, okay. yeah, kind of like that. Architects are more like, more like sort of homes or houses or, yeah. or unique buildings, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking more of the, the sketching. What's that? I was thinking the sketching. This like they kind of design. yeah. yeah okay. Oh yeah, there's tons of drawings and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The architect, the the architect draws it and the engineer brings it to life. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I think so. Because so. the engineer has to apply the math to, okay, make, it, the civil to make it make sense. Okay. So, how come you practice data entry instead of the civil engineering then? Well, I was sick with schizophrenia and that's about all I could uh, feel I could handle at the time. I, I didn't want to practice engineering. It was too complicated uh, when I was sick. It was, uh, your intelligence levels goes, goes down with schizophrenia, at least for me. Mm. And I know uh, the movie so, you're talking about. The, the mathematician there, the beautiful mind, he, he couldn't do the math that he used to he, with his Nobel Prize. He couldn't do that when he got sick with schizophrenia either. Mm. But, oh, yes, and you said you caught it. It wasn't all your life, you said. When did you catch it? I'm sorry, I might have forgot. Uh, it what? came on a look through university, but it hit really hard at 22. That's when I first got it, for sure. Okay. So, yeah. What exactly was happening around that time? Uh, um... Like in just in my other than schizophrenia in my life, you mean, or like what yeah. was happening with the disease itself? No, no. What, no, what was like, happening in your life to yeah. trigger it at that time? <laughs> not, I 
mean, not a lot of bad stuff, to be honest. I, I didn't really have much to be depressed or upset about. Uh, really, it was it just kind of came out of nowhere. And yeah, it's uh, they say a stressful event can trigger the trigger the disease, even though you may be predisposed to get it. It's uh, uh, I yeah. It's, Is it uh, pumped up? Does it run in your family? Well, there's not much mental illness in my family at all, not, not schizophrenia, but we have found one relative we didn't even know existed on our family tree somewhere back in the early 1900s who did have schizophrenia. But other than that, it's uh, kind of came out of nowhere. So Sometimes they say that <clears throat> an event in your life could trigger psychosis, and some, sometimes even drugs could trigger psychosis, and then prolonged psychosis usually develops into schizophrenia also um the the depression like you you get the oppressive disorder to the point where you don't want to do anything you have depressive moods um you have a hard time adjusting to other people adjustment disorder um uh, there's there's mood disorder adjustment disorder um (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a whole book on the dsm-5 where you could diagnose somebody and just because you were initially diagnosed, it doesn't mean that it was a misdiagnosis, and it doesn't mean that your diagnosis can change at any time. So, mm. somebody like technically, if you come see me as a doctor by the second visit, I have to diagnose you in order to, in order to charge your insurance. Really, That's, I did not know that. I can't charge insurance without diagnosing somebody, and I could misdiagnose. And then seeing him, like, maybe, like, let's just say three months down the line, I go away. I don't think you have schizophrenia. I think it was just prolonged depression or depressive mood disorder mm-hmm. or adjustment disorder. But then imagine if you didn't see me for that long and I and you just you went with never the initial. You yeah. Yeah, you would just go with the initial diagnosis and then you would just become that. That's so wicked. Well. Some people don't want to be don't want to be labeled they're like i don't want to be labeled anything because then people are going to treat me different they're 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 they're, they're, they're going to think i'm special they're going to think i'm box. slow yeah. yeah or they're going to say oh i'm crazy everything and i'm saying they're going like, to make me believe it yeah <laughs> and everything i say they're just going to dismiss it like yo this person is crazy anyway like let's just dismiss it no offense but that's what like that's the attitude that people give sometimes to people with mental illness and I've seen both sides. I've seen where people are really mentally ill and they need assistance. And I've seen the both the other side where people, they might have a slight mental disorder. They might not have at all, but they're using the system. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Well, I've heard of the one where they're using the system. I started back as a specialist when I was like younger, like when I was a little bit younger. And it was a client that I had from when I was a specialist for three years. Went back to school, got a master's, became a supervisor. When I became a supervisor after I became a director, switched jobs three different times, and he ended up at the shelter that I was at. And he was like, yo, I knew this guy when he was a specialist. He's a director now. I'm still homeless. And I'm like, like, is it your fault or is it my fault? Like, but he would just say, yo, like half the people, half the people that's treating him as in his act team, um, that direct access care team, where it's like a care team of individuals, social workers, nurse practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists, all working to provide him assistance. And he don't have to pay for anything. It's based on the system. Like, he's he's on Medicaid. So Medicaid, we, the yeah, taxpayers, pay, pay for everything. And he's also in a shelter. He's on public assistance, food, clothing, and shelter. So 
So he's just there. So he's working the system. This so, is a benefit for him. So now we compare it in the last five years. This is what I've done in the last five years. He's been there. Doing the same thing. <laughs> Who's to say I don't suffer from a mental illness? I Who's just, to say I'm not suffering from mental illness? Who's to say anyone is, honestly? It's every, everyone got their like own problems in a sense of that they're dealing with. To put you in a box and kind of lead, keeps you stuck with that problem. I think as human beings, we are creatures of habit. I think after all these years of working with the mentally ill, I probably have. Some you know, type of mental ill. Well, yeah. The environment. But I mean, we live in New York. Man, I don't know about Canada, but the people, the mentally ill, I feel are heavy down here. Yeah. A lot of them. I think a lot of us are just undiagnosed, to be a honest. A lot of us don't got that insurance that gives us the counseling to be diagnosed properly. And I think some of us, we self-medicate with drugs and alcohol. That's why liquor stores are all our corner stores. <laughs> it's, it's rough out here. We're trying to... Um, just pretty much provide more faith medicine, you know. There's still good people out there, you know. There's still relatable people that can open their ears and listen, tell your story, you know. That's why everyone who comes on the show usually tells their story. What do you think about everything we just said just now? Like, what's your honest well, thoughts? Yeah, what I'm thinking is... For me, I mean, I got on a medication, yeah, uh, I got some counseling for the first seven years of my recovery. Uh, for me, what helped a lot was something that pretty much everyone can do, and it's for free. And it's simply reading books, uh, going online, watching videos, podcasts, whatever. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was learning um, just basic sort of, um, I mean, for example, like Navy SEALs elite athletes, Olympic athletes, and top CEOs, they're all trying to increase their mindset, build their resilience, become more confident. Mm -hmm. And those are a lot of the books I was reading. And there's there's articles on all this stuff. There's so much content online. A lot of it's in libraries for free or on the internet for free. It's at your fingertips. And so you'd say, well, Matthew, shouldn't you be working on your schizophrenia? Well, I was working on the thought patterns I had and my uh, resilience thought patterns, you can say, uh, just that everybody has. And I was working on those for years. Did they cure my schizophrenia? I don't know. But you could say it, it lowered my stress levels. It gave me more, more confidence. It let, allowed me to regulate my emotions better and not get as upset about something or, or, or as anxious about something. Kind of like you and planned it. You, 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 started becoming a better, you became a better planner in a sense. But it sounds like you went to therapy. Yeah, well, yeah, the, those are really helpful. That's all that information. And, and these are books written by world-class experts on the subjects. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow, I, I just read hundreds of books and I, I learned so much on how to just think better and feel better. And yeah, the, yeah, they, they were a real help for me. And the, I mean, so, I mean, I was reading books that nothing technically weren't even written about schizophrenia. No words of schizophrenia in them, but they helped me immensely. And these are things really? that everybody can and, and improve everybody's mental health, even if you don't have a mental illness. How do you find the time for so much leisure? Well, I'll tell you what, I'd be I don't know how many years I'd be sitting in the bookstore on a Friday night or a Saturday night and you know, for hours reading books for free and I'd be thinking, you know, Matthew, you could be out with your friends having fun right now, but I 
there's all these answers in, in books for us for free. I, I just couldn't, there were ways to stop the pain. And I, that's how I found my time. I, I, I did stuff when other people were out, you know, having, you know, watching the sports game or whatever. I was, I was trying to save my life. I was trying to get out of this world of desperation I was living in. It was, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't pass that up. Wow, that's deep. So now, now that you are doing better and, and feeling better, what, 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 what are some new things that you're experiencing now that you weren't able to do before? Or what are some things you are doing now that you weren't able to do before? Yeah, yeah, I, I've got full, complete thoughts. I've got peace and contentment. I, I get to, uh, it's sort of like when I was sick, everything was sort of on tumble dry, so like just chaotic, sort of visually. I associated with people with autism when things were too bright or too loud. Um, things are just calm now, and it's just nice to be in a in a safe place. You know, my body's a safe place now. I don't have to. Um, it's just it's just really it's nice. I get I get to enjoy life. I get to I get to look at sunsets and appreciate them instead of having to force myself to look at a painful sunset. That's what nice to think of sunsets. <laughs> wow. So, um, Mm. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I'm, I'm happy about is, uh, so I mean, yeah, I got an engineering degree, yeah, I biked across Canada, and, and I did stuff like that, but in another way, I was drifting in my life. I Yes, schizophrenia gives you a lot of focus, but it was focus I'd rather not have to do, but what I'm doing now, the last four years, is advocacy work, sort of what like what you guys are doing, mm. and I... It's it's just given me focus in my life. It's given me more purpose. And but I have a question, really, right? My yeah. main question is, what would make you want to work with like depressed people in Africa, out of all places? So when I was first diagnosed, a lady saw me and she said I looked like I was walking through a world of fine glass. It mm -hmm. felt like I was living in a war zone. And my heart went up to people who live in actual war zones or live in extreme poverty and untreated mental illness. So I'm like, I could barely get through it in, in a sleepy part of Canada with, a, with an okay, so-so okay mental health care system. And I thought health care is free in Canada. It's free, right? Yeah, I thought so yeah, too. It's, it's free, but there's, you come up here and you'll hear people talking about our mental health care system. It needs improvement. There's long wait times. People are killing themselves because they can't see the psychiatrist in time. How long does it take? What? Oh, yeah. How long well, does I mean, it take? Oh, yeah, months. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. That's too so, long of a wait. So, so let me ask you a question, right? Like, okay, in America, we got something called ZocDoc, where you literally go on the internet and you could schedule to see a doctor tomorrow, as long as you have insurance. If you don't have insurance, you pay cash. I'm sure you guys have something like that. Yeah, have Canada. like apps and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they have that in Canada. Come on, man. Really? And then we have emergency lines now here, where... um. NYC Wells, there's like a state-funded um, mental health emergency hotline that that you can call, and there's a suicide prevention hotline. They made a whole song about it. You know, but isn't Canada peaceful? Yeah, but I'm sure if we have it in America, they have it in Canada. You guys don't have those things in Canada. Yeah, we've got hotlines. We've got psychiatrists and psych psychiatric wards and counseling. Yeah, and, and it's a uh, 
um, I'll say this, a part, of, a part of Canada and Nova Scotia on the East Coast, there's a man, his name's Todd Leader, like leadership, and he's got a book called It's Not About Us, and he radically transformed his mental health and addiction system in his area of Nova Scotia. And he got wait times from like five to eight months down to three weeks or a week or less. And the way he did it was by making it client-centered, not bureaucracy or paperwork-centered. When someone comes into a clinic, how many seconds or minutes or hours does it take to get that person treatment? When someone walks in, you walk over to them immediately and say, how can I help you? You don't put them in a waiting room for an hour filling out forms when they need help immediately. It's things like that. He did dozens, tons of things like that. That is a different field. And now, no, you gotta fill that. out the forms regardless, because that's how everybody gets paid. But I guess what he's saying is like they kind of feel like they're gonna get the help they're gonna need. A lot of people, I guess in Brooklyn especially, you know, go to the hospital and they are they yelling and screaming because they want their treatment. And they know it's gonna take so long. And he's saying that they created the atmosphere where you walked in and you felt like somebody was gonna come and help you quickly. Yeah, I understand. What you're yeah, so the book is called, his book is called It's Not About Us because so many people said the system isn't about us. And he, he, teach, he teaches that's how we the feel. rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we feel, yeah, we can relate. <laughs> yeah, and he, his book teaches the rest of Canada how to do the same thing. He's already done it. You go to that part of Nova Scotia, they've got a great mental health and addiction system because of him. And I'm going to say that that same, I mean, I'm no expert, but I'm assuming that his book could be used in other countries like the U.S. and Europe or wherever, and uh, by making it client-centered, not bureaucracy-centered. So I'm, I'm really trying to promote his book, uh, Todd the Leader, It's Not About Us. It's uh, Was he schizophrenic? Yeah. No, uh, he's had mental illness uh, before in his life, I forget which kind it was, uh, but no, not schizophrenia, yeah. Make sure to promote the real world also, man, you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <the> yep. <laughs> I got you, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so... Have you enjoyed the show so far? Awesome. Love it. This is so much fun, you guys. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I learned a lot. So. Okay. So, mm -hmm. what work do you exactly do with the depressed people in Africa? Yeah, so like I said, I, I'm no expert. The only official certification I have is an engineering degree, and I'm not even using it. I've got lived experience with mental illness, and I've read a lot of books on how to get through it. What I do is my website, mindday.ca, is the only website of its kind in the world. It has all the groups working on mental health in developing countries on one site. As mm -hmm. far as I know, there's no other site like it in the world. And mm -hmm. I want to promote it more. So, so I don't do the actual work myself. I found 10 nonprofits that are using basic mental health care models in mm -hmm. developing countries. I'm trying to promote them. I'm more of a promoter for them, more than like on the, in the field, on the ground, doing the hands-on work. And yes, someday I wouldn't mind going to Africa and, and, and seeing what's going on and helping in some capacity. If I have the strength and mental health confidence to do that someday, I'd like to. Right now, um, I don't know if I'm quite there yet in, in my confidence and strength levels 
but I'm trying to promote uh, promote the work of these groups. Uh, they they've been helping thousands of people get their mental health back. Uh, some of the groups don't even use medications. Uh, Fine Mind doesn't use medications. Strong Minds, like the one I mentioned, Strong Minds America. Uh, the Strong Minds uh, that works they work in Africa specifically right now, Uganda and Zambia. They're so, have a look into the Strong Minds. So, what do you benefit off of this? Like just right from now, people, nothing. just right from now, people coming on your website. Nothing. Uh, I don't accept any money on my website uh, f uh, for to give to mental health in developing countries. I steer people directly towards their websites to donate on them. Maybe someday I'll be able, to, and I'm working on that, to accept money on my site to give to those nonprofits themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, people donate to me just to pay my own expenses, so that I can work on this full time, which I want to do, mm -hmm. instead of having to get a regular job. Mm -hmm. But uh, right now, if somebody can do better, faster work than me to get people mental health care in developing countries, go for it. Mm -hmm. I just want to see them get help. Uh, for me, um, I want to keep working on this and. If my name could be a household name like UNICEF, that would be amazing. Uh, that's one of the things I'm wanting people to do is simply share my name, get more people uh, knowing about this so that they, for those who have the money to help, can help. Mm -hmm. I think if millions of people knew where to go, where to help someone with depression in Uganda or, or other developing countries, millions of people would want to help if they simply knew about it and knew where to go. My website's all set, and I'm just hoping people share it. I really am because to be honest with you, I don't think as a, to be honest with you, I don't think they should bring psychotropic drugs into Africa. That's just my personal opinion. I think they've been fine without it this whole time. spiritual. <laughs> I think they're good, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anything, I believe Africans should have a say in what they feel like their people need mentally. Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, a lot of these groups they're they're tr uh, making it locals led. They don't want to be the white people coming in and telling everybody what to do. They want the people to to want it. They they want. They're asking like, what do you want? But who owns also, it? Uh, pardon me. Who, who owns, owns them? them? <laughs> like who started them? So Are they the African people too? So, uh, Strong Minds was started by Sean May Sean Mayberry. He's white. He's in uh, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And Pavel Repo was founded by, uh, sorry, Fine Mind was founded by Pavel Repo. Uh, neither of them use medications. They, uh, Strong Minds doesn't use medications. Fine Mind doesn't. So what's um, their interest in Africa? Scientific. You're promoting them. You told me you're the promoter, man. You gotta make sure you know what you're promoting, bro. Like, like more about faith, you know. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> if if I don't support something, I'm not gonna promote it. And if yeah. I'm promoting something, I have to know what it is. Because all right, perfect example, right? I'm a brand prom promoter because we we have the show and because I have big platforms, brands come to me and ask me if I want to promote certain stuff. Waiting for the black hoodies. He knows I'm waiting for the black hoodies. Facts. <laughs> but I'm not gonna promote just. Anything you're not gonna see me on TV promoting backwards and Heineken's. <laughs> you yeah, understand? We're more, like, we're more spiritual, man. <laughs> something has to align with your beliefs and with and, and 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 with you as a person and what you believe in in order for you to support it. And you have to know the fine details because you know you're speaking on their behalf. Like I just want to know why they're going to Africa only because I would say we we founded a five hundred one c three nonprofit as well, right? And we're boots on the ground. Like, you've seen our work because you spoke about it earlier on. And, you know, 
the way we want to make it different is majority of these big companies, majority of the the funds and donations, it goes to admin costs. It goes to paying the people that work for it. That's what that. That's why you see they don't really help a lot of people. They don't really do much. You understand? And then when you do are putting the money out or you try to help the people directly, you don't really see people get donations. Like even on the website where I found you, I put it a hundred dollars for an hour, fifty dollars for thirty minutes, and you know, 25 for 15 minutes. That's a small donation that's gonna help the nonprofit. And everyone could see the work that we're doing. As soon as I pull it up, people say, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Even though they have the money. It's just like, they're like you know what, F you guys. Like, we, we, we don't wanna put your money on. We and some don't guy, help them that way. And some guy said, oh, why would I pay you? You should pay me. I'm like, you should pay me. Like, you asked me to come on. I'm like, I remember that guy. And, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Even the, the plastic surgeon. This guy was a plastic surgeon for 40 something years in California. Mm-hmm. Everybody paid him cash. We asked him to donate. He said, no, no, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Like that. But buy my book. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. this is the stuff we deal with, man, you know? So, yeah, it's more so, it's hard to relate to the issues in that way that you go about it. We can't, we don't really go with that. As in, we dealt with the same issues just from our point of view in life. Yeah. It was very different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, for me, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm not a, a charity rating agency. I'm taking a chance on this too. It's uh, mm-hmm. the groups that I've found, I feel okay promoting them. But, you know, at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, what if something goes wrong? What if they're not doing great work? Yeah. I'm, I'm not uh, an evaluator, an official person doing this. Uh, I could be making. Just, you got good intentions, and, uh, though. You, just, you got good intentions. Uh, I'm trying. Right now, it's just me and a website and social media. I don't have people working for me. It's uh, I'm, I'm trying the best I can. You know, if one of these nonprofits uh, flounders or, or, or does uh, bad work, how's that going to make me feel? And, uh, you know, as time goes on, I'm hoping to get better at this. I'm also hoping more people will want to, to help out and, and, and people who have more expertise than me, who people who can rate these agencies better and say, um, you know, the work they're doing. Yeah, good thoughts, good thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, though, they do, some of these groups have big names behind them. For example, like Fine Mind, he has Forrest Whitaker's, the, the actor from Star Wars, his mm-hmm. foundation helping him. Um, oh, Strong Minds, they had the actress uh, Ashley Judd uh, uh, promote one of, uh, narrate one of their promo videos. Popular people. Um, yeah, Robin Williams' son, Zach Williams, uh, he's helping promote hashtag Break the Chains as is uh, Tim Shriver, founder of the Special Olympics, Alison Janney, the actress from the TV show The West Wing. But that's uh, influencers. They're influencing you to join a, a certain accord. Yeah, so uh, Bill Clinton and the band Arcade Fire, uh, they promote uh, partners in health, so it's... Uh, I don't, I don't think Bill people. Clinton would be good. Bill Clinton's organization, the Clinton organization, they came into my country. I'm Haitian. And, and come on, we, we all know what they did to Haiti, you know, and they gave us that plastic Chinese rice. <laughs> and then they took the $300 million the Red Cross and, and all them gave, and they only made like 10 houses, and the rest of the people were still recently. in tents. 
till this day, the people are still living in tents. You see Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and we supposed to trust these companies? Like, come on, man. But then companies with people that look like us that's trying to help people like us, we, we don't, don't get, get no love. money. We don't get it's no crazy. Love. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, yeah. Closing thoughts? I... I want to. I, just thanks for having me on, guys. It's, uh, I'm I, I'm I'm fumbling in the dark sometimes on this, and I'm 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 just wanting to start conversations about this. If I can do things better, I'm open for advice. Mm -hmm. um, I know I can't do things perfectly. No one ever can, and um, we all try. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you guys have any advice, um, I'm I'm all ears because I'm I'm. Like I said, I'm no expert. I'm just I'm trying to make it a little dent in the universe here. I'm hoping it can have more impact as time goes on. But uh, I I want to I want to get better at this. It's because uh, I know people are, are suffering and want help. And I'm you know I'm I'm trying, trying to help. Uh, we appreciate yeah, you I'm, coming on the show, man. I do at least. I can say. <laughs> yeah, I can say too. Mm -hmm. I would say like. Like what Jesus did, meet their first basic needs at first, you know, food, clothing, and shelter. You know, a lot of a lot of us, like, we don't have that. So, you know. We're starting with the basic needs, yeah. It's like what we started talking about before. A lot of the homeless population are mentally ill, but it comes in together. You know, most people that are mentally ill are unable to function, and therefore they end up homeless or unable to keep a job, and then they ended up drug addicted. And most people that are drug addicted can't hold a job, so they end up homeless. And then mm, they, it's the same cycle. Homeless, <laughs> it's a cycle, 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 cycle. And then they also cycle. having kids. So, yeah, and then the kids suffer from the same trauma. Yeah, it just continues. And we all seen it, like when they walk with the kids, like, hurry the F up, come over here, I'll smack you. And that makes, <laughs> the, that makes the entire neighborhood feel uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you hear about kids having sex since they was 11, 12, 10 yeah, years old. Ratchetness. And they've been smoking since they were 9, 8 years old. This is real stuff, you understand? Of course you're going to grow up and be mentally ill experiencing all these things and then you have to take you kind of got to separate yourself become like what he in the sense of um, what matthew was anti-social in a sense yeah you don't want to really be a part of people because what you grew up around was so negative it was like if this is what people's like i'm gonna just stay to myself I'm going to the books an alternate reality and a hundred percent sure is if you want to grow, you need a team of people. Sheets you cannot of, do it by yourself. Fine sheets of glass could have been the sheets of paper. Mm -hmm. So I think you're on, you're doing the right. I think add more some faith to your um to your system. Uh, well, belief in something bigger than himself. Yeah, but that's only if he wants that. Well, he that's, just my, that's just my closing. With thoughts. faith also comes accountability. Mm. You gotta keep up with it. No, you gotta hold yourself accountable. For you you have to atone for your sins. Almost, it's almost like you gotta repent. You gotta have yeah, to admit that the things is bad and want to change. True. The things I want to do, I don't, and the things I shouldn't do, I do. Well, from I say, um, my closing thoughts is face your fears. That's why I got out of this. <laughs> <laughs> face your fears, you know. Sorry for putting you under the hot seat, Matthew. No, no worries. <laughs> we put pressure on you. <laughs> he handled it well, man. He handled it well. He was, he 
like, like, I gotta talk to you. They have this promotion, man. <laughs> you represented Canada well, you know. It's like, oh, this is New Yorkers for you. <laughs> <laughs> New Yorkers get personal. <laughs> You're like, what did I step myself into? <laughs> we thought you weren't gonna come back during the break. We thought, <laughs> we thought you was like, oh man, this guy got too personal. I'm not doing this thing. <laughs> Like these assholes. <laughs> I was like, you know, that honestly, when we was at Times Square when the guy grabbed the phone, I'm like, see, that's New York out there. Like, you, why are you grabbing somebody's phone? Like, <laughs> no, like, give me the. Thing. You think we, <laughs> we get too personal? Stories. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, hey, hold Before I forget, uh, yeah. one of the ten nonprofits is Christian based. Uh, just so you know, uh, CBM UK. They've been around for like a hundred years, and they do mental health care work. Maybe we could collab with them. Maybe we'll, we'll look for them. Wait, UK? So then the United Kingdom then? Well, well, they're based in the United Kingdom, but they work in developing countries too. So yeah. mm-hmm. Maybe we'll yeah. see. Okay. <laughs> so let's close out with a prayer, like we always do. Heavenly Father, those in heaven, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you for this opportunity to be here together as one. Lord, as we continue to move forward, we ask that you bless us, bless our ministry, bless the work that we're doing, bless our brother Matthew that came on this platform all the way out from Canada, bless his family, bless his works. Thank you, God, for all the healing and reparations that you've done within him. I ask that you continue to work on him, continue to work on his heart, his soul, his mind, Lord, his family as well, all those that surround him. Bless myself, bless my partner. Um, Kamel as well. Bless him and everything that he's doing. Bless his family. Bless his house, Lord, and bless us all. Bless all our families. Help us to continue to walk in your light and your spirit. Order our steps, Lord. Name Yahshua, Son, and praise to the Holy Father. Amen. Amen. Bless you too, my brother. Amen. Bless you too, man. Amen. Amen. We got to do this again. Alrighty. I bet. Do this. Take care. See you later. (laughs) All right. Wow. Safe to say. That was a real word. (laughs) 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 We thank you all for watching. Shout out to everybody. Been supporting. Shout out to everybody. It's helped us to get this far thus far. Um, You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pandora, and the Brick Network. You already know, a war show coming up soon. I want to say that, you know, it ain't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it be like that sometimes. <laughs> we can talk. It's a real